And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those to whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Good morning, Advent Hope. Good to see you all here. And this morning, our message is entitled Divine Insurance. It's covered. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we are simply grateful to have this opportunity to open your word and to hear from you. And we ask now that your blessing would be upon us in the hearing and receiving of um, what is shared today. May these be your words and not my own. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2011-2012, I had just begun my first year of teaching, and uh, I moved to this little town called Belleville, Michigan. And I moved there. I had my own apartment, had a, had a car and whatnot. And on one occasion, one Saturday morning, I came back early from church, and uh, <clears throat> I wasn't feeling well. So went into my apartment, went to sleep, didn't start moving again till get up and get up and going uh, until the next, the following day. So I was feeling better, got up, I was doing a little cleaning around the house and decided to take my trash out. And so um, my apartment is one where um, when you approach the apartment, there's a door that you enter to access all of the other apartments. So there's two doors, one to get into the complex and then one to get into my own personal apartment. Well, I was looking for my keys, trying to take out the trash and I couldn't find them. So I figured, all right, I'll just stick something in both the doors and, uh, or in, in the doors and, and come back. So I make it outside and upon my arrival outside, I look into the parking lot and I couldn't see my car. Now, typically I park in the very front so I don't have to walk a ways to the apartment. And when I looked, my car was not there. So I looked left, I looked right, I threw my trash away and figured, did I park somewhere else? Am I going out of my mind? After looking around the whole complex, I thought to myself, Michelle, your car has been stolen. And it's kind of shocking because uh, you don't think those types of things happen to you, right? And, and I was in such shock that I started chuckling, like laughing to myself <laughs> until it really hit me like my car has been stolen, right? And then there's that transition to anger, right? And, and even fear. What I had done is I'd left the keys to my apartment in the door of, of my, my apartment space and someone had swiped them and also swiped my car the same time. So I filed a police report and the police came and he asked, the police officer asked me this question, do you have 
insurance? Do you have insurance? Right? Because insurance is this, is this uh, uh, type of risk management, right? It's this protection against things that are lost or damaged or broken. And he asked me, do I have insurance? And this morning, I know this is this is insurance, speaking about insurance is a very, it's an extremely inadequate and very oversimplified way to explain a portion of the gospel that we're going to be talking about today. But one of the ideas that I want to highlight is that in the creation of the world, every detail of its reality was thought out. It was even the risks, right? And it was taken into account. God took it into account. And then a plan for the universe was made. There was nothing that God did not evaluate before making this world uh, and before making the plan to save it if need be, right? And I call that divine insurance. Divine insurance. Uh, a little bit about the book of Romans. Uh, the book of Romans was written uh, uh, by Paul, or the letter to the Romans, I should say, um, in the first century. And he writes this book. This is actually prior to some of the extreme persecution that take place uh, during the early church. And um, it takes place, the, this writing, before Nero, uh, the emperor Nero begins to run Rome. And, but there is still minor uh, persecution aspects of it, right? Christians, they'd already been enduring, you know, types of persecution from within, from the Jews, right? And, and from without, from, from their city context. But there in this book, Paul highlights that there is this ongoing tension between uh, the Jews, Jewish Christians even, and the Gentiles, right? With, with all of these disputes about their ceremonies and their rituals and um, what should be done and what shouldn't and who's the seed of Abraham. So Paul begins to clarify some of these uh, uh, um, topics, right, in the book. And, and one of the main points that he says, the truth about Jews and Gentiles, one, we're all, they're all sinners, both, all, everyone, right? But the real uh, uh, members of Abraham's seed, the real descendants of Abraham are not based simply on circumcision, right? If you believe the truth of God and the promises of God, you are of Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed is based on faith. If you believe, then you are, right? And that's the idea of righteousness by faith. So regardless of your heritage, regardless of your background, your upbringing, black, white, this, uh, Indian, et cetera, right? If you have faith, right, you become a part of the family of God. If you have faith in the promises of God, you become brothers and sisters with anyone who believes in the promises of God. And Paul continues and he begins to speak about this unifying feature that all of the children of God, the family of God possess. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And this is the preface, this, this beauty of this unity of the family of God, uh, the, this unifying element by the Holy Spirit is the preface of chapter eight, which we're looking at today. So let's look at the verse one more time. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, in verse 28, there's this promise that everyone loves, right? For all things work together for the good of them that love God, right? Who are called according to his purpose. And I want to address two questions, ask, at least ask Paul two questions uh, in this address. One, who is the promise for, okay, that particular promise? And why is Paul so confident in saying it? Who is this promise for? All things work together for the good, right? Of them that love God, right? And why is he so confident in saying that? Because there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world. I mean, tragic things. But he says all things work together for the good. Well, when people quote that verse, they typically sometimes uh, quote it out of context and, and, and don't see the full picture of it, right? And we sometimes think that, okay, this is for anyone who, who knows God, right? If you know God, then everything's going to be all right. But it's more than just knowing God, right? It's not just, do you know God? It's, does God know you, right? Like I can say, I know Barack, Barack Obama, right? But if I were to see him on the street today, does he know me, right? And even this, and this may have happened to you, like people on social media, right? They'll go back and they'll look at your pictures and your archives and see the stuff you've done and the places you've been. And then I've had it happen to me where someone will have done thorough research, right? And then they'll come up to you and say, hey, you know, you're so-and-so. And they'll tell me about myself and they'll tell me things from 2010, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, what's your name, right? And it's kind of the same way, right? This is a one, sometimes we, we see our relationship with God as one-sided, as long as I know him. It's like, no, 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 wait. God has to know you too. And that's part of the context of chapter eight is, the people of God, the children of God, have the spirit of God inside their heart, crying out to their father, Abba, Abba. And that's how he knows you're his child, right? You identify with him. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to John chapter one, I just want to reference a verse there. John chapter one, verse 12 and 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, who were born of the spirit. He gave them the right to become children of God. And so who is this promise for? Who is Paul talking to Paul? The first question I asked, who is this promise for? This promise is for everyone, the whole world and it's for some all at the same time. It's a promise for the entire world and it's a promise for a few at the same time. A few because it's a promise for those that believe. It's extended to all, but it's, but it's fulfilled in those that believe. And so anyone who believes in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Even you know this verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. So put simply, this promise is for the world, but only fulfilled in some 
And also note that those that love God will have the spirit of God. They will possess the spirit of God. The verse in Romans uh, chapter 8, 28 and 29, it continues. It says, not only is it for those who love God, but those who are called according to his purpose. What is the purpose of God? John 3, 16, everyone loves that verse because it encapsulates the heart of the gospel. The purpose of God is that none should perish and that all should be saved, right? So therefore, everyone is called. Everyone is called. And then he continues, it says, those he foreknew, knew before they were born or existed, he also predestined or planned for to be conformed to the image of his son. Lots of big words, but here's what it's saying. God, who is omniscient or all-knowing, planned for every human being on the planet to be a reflection of himself. When sin came in the world, that was marred. But God made this, this divine provision to make sure that whoever believes in him could still have that opportunity to be conformed or to be changed in, back into his image, right? Into his likeness. And these people would become part of the family of God as they were initially supposed to be, right? And so when we look at the rest of this passage, verse 29 and 30, basically anyone that hears the call of God and responds has an open invitation to forgiveness, to transformation, and to life. We are no longer orphans, right? We're not blowing in the wind. You become a part of a unit. You become a part of the great family of God. And this promise is for anyone, the world, and a few all at the same time. I was watching uh, this documentary on PBS. It's called The Black Church. And um, if you're following us on Instagram, uh, please do. You'll hear more about it on our uh, Thinking Thursday segment. I'll be popping a video up. But um, the, the documentary called The Black Church it begins highlighting the resistance and the hesitancy of white slave owners to introduce slaves to Christianity. And uh, missionaries were pushing them and they didn't want to do it. Why? Because the narratives, the stories in the Bible, they make it very clear that those who receive Christ become brothers and sisters in the family of God. So that means me as a white slave master, my black brother now is what the Bible is telling me. This is my brother, not my slave, not my servant, right? And the gospel is a message of liberation, right? You can't preach liberation and oppress entire groups of people or enslave them. And they knew that. I believe they knew that in their conscience. They knew that, which is why they were hesitant to share the gospel. And it's scary because even today, many will claim the gospel of liberation, but oppress others in their everyday life. Cheat you, swindle you. And that was part of God's problem in the scriptures with his own people. He was telling his people, look, you cannot be my people and oppress the poor. You cannot be my people and not care for the stranger or the widow or the orphan. You cannot be my people. That's not my image. That is not my image. You cannot be 
a child of God and oppress others and not work for the liberation and justice for others. It doesn't go together. And it's not simply other brothers and sisters in Christ, but that's even, that's past brothers, present brothers, future brothers, sisters in Christ. That's everyone on this entire planet. If you are a child of God, you work for the benefit of humanity, whoever it may be. But Paul, how can you be so sure? How can you be so confident that all things will work together for good for those that love God? There's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of tragic things that have happened. How can you be so certain? Even if I've had a hard life, you're still sure? Even if we mess up, even if we ruin everything, even if we are literal blubbering messes, if we run our lives into the ground, you're telling me it's gonna work out if I love God? How can you be so sure, Paul? Because insurance. What is this insurance? Because of the cross. Revelation 13 verse 8 says, speaking of Jesus, that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So even before the world fell into sin, there was a plan. There was insurance. There was a, a down payment already laid down before any loss took place. The plan was a down payment and it was paid in full uh, on the cross with the life of the son of God. And why did God do that? Look, because anyone created in the image of God is family. You are family. Whether you believe it, whether it's current or whether it's coming in the future, God paid because you're part of his family. You're supposed to be an image bearer. And he died for his family, for brothers and sisters in the family of God. He died for all of us who were supposed to be a part of the fold and who now are a part of the fold and who will be a part of the fold. So to make sure that we could always have a place in the father's house, he made a plan, a divine insurance policy. So that if anything goes wrong, it's covered. Covered under the policy, covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. You are washed, you are whitened in the blood of the lamb, restored to your rightful place in the house of the Father and the Son. In fact, Paul is so sure. Paul is so sure because a God who lays down his life for sinful human beings has already given all that he has. He's already given it. Everything was riding on the line. And he will stop at nothing to save his family. Throughout time and throughout history, anyone who qualifies uh, to be covered, covered by this insurance plan is covered. Well, what exactly is the qualification? How can I get under this plan? Faith. Faith, which is exactly what Paul is talking about. If you are of Abraham's seed, if you are a child of faith, if you believe the promises of God that he's promise to you and you live that way, you're qualified. Faith. You have to believe that there is nothing 
that can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that's the, Romans chapter eight is arguably one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible because of these, this idea where Paul lays out, look, there is absolutely nothing in this world. And he begins to lay out different obstacles, different things that people would think would keep them from the love of God. But he says, nope, not that. He says, there is nothing, not your addiction, not your pornography problem, not your drinking, not your bad habits, not your abuse, not your war, not famines, nothing, not persecution, not even Satan himself, not his demons, not sin, not even death. There is nothing that will stop God from loving you and from pursuing you. There is nothing that will stop him from saving his family. Now believe that. Live like that. That's righteousness by faith. All of that, that, all those problems, it's all covered by the blood of the lamb. Divine insurance. There's no page in our lives, no page in history that's too dark that God hasn't already read. And I know that's not to simplify the, the horrendousness of the experiences people have lived in this, this world under this sun. But the darkness in our lives, or say, however, the darkness in our lives and the darkness in the world cannot overwhelm or consume the light of God. It cannot. If you have faith, you cannot mess up the plan of salvation. It's impossible. You can't mess it up. What God has said will be. So because of that, Paul can say that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is watching you. If you're part of his family, he's watching you. Because God will not stop at anything to save that which he loves. And people, we, at humans, we put insurance on things that are valuable. You have a wedding ring that costs a lot of money, you put insurance on it. You have a car, you put insurance on it. God, God, he put insurance on the world. Divine insurance. So when God looks down and he sees you, he looks at you, he looks at me, he's not looking for perfection. No, no, no. He's like, I've already got that covered. He's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. Look, the heart of the message today is this, is that those that are a part of the family of God, that have the indwelling of the spirit, that identify as God is my father and I am his child. The family of God, you will have a hard time being lost. Hard time being lost. And God, and, and Paul's like, look, there's future glory. The future, it's, it's, it's not comparable to anything you've ever seen. It's not even comparable to the sufferings you've experienced. And people have suffered. He said, what God has planned for his people is beyond your imagination. You can't even conceive of it. 
In fact, when you get there, you'll forget what you went through. Wow. Divine insurance. Let me read what Paul says here. Look at verse 31. <clears throat> Excuse me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look, it's too hard for the people of God to be lost. It's too hard. Divine insurance, it's covered. It's covered. My appeal is simple today. Do you believe in God's promise? Do you believe in divine insurance and assurance, right? Do you believe? If you believe then, by faith, live that way. It says the just shall live by faith. Live that way. Believe and live and move and walk in that. And if so, you're covered. You're covered. Amen? Amen.